One of the lessons that we learn from the Christmas story each year is not just the story itself, but that we can keep returning to the Scriptures again and again. And whenever we do, we find new angles uh, by which we can approach God's truth and, and gain new insights that we would hear a story like this for the 20th or 30th or 80th time and hear maybe something that we haven't considered in a certain way before. And so hopefully that happens as we read the very familiar passage of Luke 2, one that people memorize when they're children and very likely one of the most memorized and well-known passages of the whole Bible. And as we read the story this morning, I, I hope you'll pay attention to the reaction of those uh, the people in this story, the reaction of the shepherds and of those who hear the shepherds' message as well. And then we'll also notice how Mary responded to the events of Jesus' birth also. Um, let's pray before I read the passage this morning. Let's pray again. <clears throat> oh God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are with us and you have provided for us your word and Lord, we pray that you would once again show your nearness to us by helping us, teaching us, coming alongside us so that we might know this word and believe it, understand it with clarity. God, we thank you for the wonderful message of the gospel, of salvation through Christ. And Lord, we pray that as we consider these words, that our faith would increase that we truly would believe the gospel message today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 2, <clears throat> starting at verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened 
which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at, the shepherd, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, we need to focus on the themes of wonder and treasure. Wonder and treasure. These are themes that are really woven through so many Christmas celebrations, both within the church and outside the church. We hear words like wonder and treasure in even secular contexts when people talk about Christmas time. While doing some shopping a few days ago, I heard the Andy Williams song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. The most wonderful time of the year. It is a wonderful time of year, but for the Christian, our wonder is set on something far higher than parties for hosting and marshmallows for toasting, as the song goes. That word wonderful is a good word. Like words awesome and extraordinary, it has come, I think, to mean a little bit less than its original intention. What is something that is truly wonderful? It fills you with wonder. As Christians, we certainly agree that this is a wonderful time of year because of the wonderful message of the gospel. And we found that word wonder in the passage this morning that we're considering. We found it was the reaction of so many people who heard the shepherd's message after they heard the angel's proclaiming good news to them. They go and see the Christ child in the manger. They go to tell the people of Bethlehem this um, this amazing thing that they have seen and the people are filled with wonder. The passage says, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. When we read that word wondered in this passage, we could misunderstand what it means. In our culture today, we might say, Think of wonder as a, a state of confusion. Um, somebody might say, I wonder what they meant by that statement. And, and there's a, a sense of not knowing something when somebody talks about wondering. But the NIV, I think, gives maybe a more helpful translation of this word where the NIV translators say, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. This is not a sense of wondering in that it's confusion. It's a sense of wondering in that it's, it's a sense of awe among the people of Bethlehem who hear the message of Christ. The word for wondered or amazed is, is actually used quite often throughout the Bible. Uh, in some cases, it's actually used where Jesus encounters the faith of somebody who has a great faith and it's It's kind of unexpected based on their background that Jesus would wonder at the great faith um, of somebody who would approach him 
seeking healing. Or we find it actually in the description of Moses where he sees the burning bush. Uh, Acts 7, verse 30 through 31 describes uh, part of the story of Moses and listen to to his reaction to something God is doing near him. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight, or he wondered at the sight. It's the same word. As he went over to look more closely, he heard the Lord's voice. What a similar story to what happens for the shepherds. That there's something that the Lord reveals to them, and there is this inquisitive amazement, this wonder uh, for Moses at the burning bush, for the shepherds and for the people in Bethlehem, there is an astonishment at what is happening among them. This is what happens when the shepherds hear the angel's message. It's the reaction of the people in Bethlehem when, the, when they hear the great story of Jesus' birth. Having heard the Christmas story so many times before, how might we recapture some of this wonder, some of this amazement about these events? Like Moses seeing the burning bush and is, is amazed that it's, it's not consuming the bush and he approaches and hears the voice of the Lord like the shepherds in the fields or the people in Bethlehem. There is this awe of something God is doing. How might we recapture this sense among us? What kind of news did the angels bring to the shepherds? It was good news of great joy. The good news is the announcement of a Savior. A Savior for you. What a wonder. A Savior who is Christ who is the Messiah, the long-promised Messiah that Israel had been longing for and hoping for, that Messiah has come. What a wonder. This Savior is also the Lord. The Lord in, in human flesh, born and placed in a manger. This is a wonder. It is amazing. The whole rest of the New Testament is a continuation of the good news of the gospel. I'm thankful that, that Cindy already shared from John 3:16, and, and we could also consider John 3:17, the following verse. And, and as we look at these words, um, open up your heart, your mind to the wonder, the amazement that we should have at good news like this. For God so loved the world. If we pause just on that moment and wonder at the truth. This is an amazing truth based on what we know about ourselves, what we know about the world that God so loved the world. We know what the world is like. We know what we're like. What an amazing truth that he so loved the world that what? That he would give his only, one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so this is also a wonder that that we learn in the passage like John 3.16. We don't have to work our way into the acceptance of God, but that all all we need to do to receive this life forever is believe. That God so loved the world that He would give His one and only Son that, that anyone who would just believe 
But just believe. Have faith. Know Christ. Love Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ would have this gift of life. That is a wonder. Continuing, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So while God has every right to condemn the world, he does not. What a wonder. He sent his Son to save us, to save the world through him. Do we still hear that truth with the amazement of Moses approaching the burning bush or with the wonder of the people of Bethlehem hearing it for the first time? One of my very favorite pastors who is ministering today is a man named Paul Tripp. Writes great devotional books, is a very good minister of the gospel. And one thing he likes to write about is being a pastor. And he gives some lessons for pastors that I think are not only helpful for, for ministers, for preachers like me, but, but for every Christian. And, and one of the themes that he often comes back to in his writing is to warn pastors, do not lose your sense of awe of God. Do not lose your wonder. Do not lose the sense of amazement at the truth of the gospel and the love of God for you. He has some very helpful for teaching for pastors because he's, he's often warning pastors. You could be so familiar with the word of God, so have, have heard the, the message of the gospel so many times that it could almost become rote or routine. But he says you're in danger when the most wonderful news that's ever been told becomes old news or sort of blasé to you. He said, be careful never to lose your awe of God, never to lose your your gratitude that God would save you, a sinner. So in that sense, it is a wonderful time, I hope, for all of us. It is a wonderful time of year, hopefully a wonderful life as a Christian a life filled with wonder that God would save us sinners. Now, there's also a lot of thinking during this season about treasure. What kind of treasures do kids think about this time of year? Of course, it's the presents, the ones that have been under the Christmas tree this morning or maybe for a few weeks preceding today. For the past few weeks, the Christmas tree for children is is kind of like a treasure chest, isn't it? it? It sort of represents that in the mind of a child. And today, all the treasures get to be opened. And in many cases, the actual gift that a child received was even better than the one that they were hoping for. We found that word treasure in our passage today. And just like for for some children today, the gift, the treasure, was actually far better than what Israel was even hoping for. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. To treasure something is to understand its value and to love it. It's possible to understand the value of something but not really love it all that much, then you wouldn't treasure that thing. It's possible to love something but not really to understand the value of that thing and then we wouldn't say you're exactly treasuring it like it ought to be. 
But we find both happening in the story of Mary, that, that she understands the value of what's happening, the value of Christ and his birth, and she loves her son Jesus. She loves that people have come to meet Christ, her son, the son of God. And she is treasuring up all these things. We saw yesterday how Mary understood that in the arrival of Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promises of the Old Testament. And she expressed um, this gratitude to God in the, the preceding passage at the end of Luke 1 in what is called the Magnificat. And she was talking about how God sees His servants. God blesses those who seek Him. God is merciful to generation after generation that seeks Him. Isn't it a great blessing when you meet someone who treasures Jesus, who understands the value of the Word of God, when you meet someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit like Mary was in this story. That's the kind of person that is is a great blessing to people in your home, to people who you go and celebrate with the rest of today, somebody who who treasures Christ. When you meet somebody who, who could be described in that way, it's a blessing to be with that kind of person. The greatest commandment that God gives is to treasure him. That's what Jesus taught in his earthly ministry. That's what the Old Testament teaches time and time again, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The greatest commandment in the Bible isn't about avoiding something bad. It's about valuing God, treasuring Him, treasuring all that He has done for us through Christ. Thinking for a moment of an application for parents or for grandparents, as people will be spending a lot of time with one another today and in the days ahead celebrating the holidays. It is the highest goal of a parent to inspire you to cause your kids to treasure Christ, to treasure Him. It's good to give gifts, and and we did so in our home, and we enjoy that time together. Uh, But with it often comes the reminder that there is a greater treasure for us that we celebrate on Christmas. And hopefully this isn't something that parents just say, but it's something that children can see in their parents and grandparents, that that they're, they're living a lifestyle of treasuring Jesus for all that he's done for us. Jesus is a Savior, He brings peace on earth and glory to God. And so when we ponder these things, we will treasure God more fully. Um, This word for pondering in the passage that we read, again, that can maybe make us seem like she thought about it a little bit. That's almost what pondering could mean, like a a student is, is pondering something during class while they're actually supposed to be listening to their teacher. It's almost like a word that could mean distraction, But that's not what it means at all, actually, in this passage. Pondering here means a repetitive thinking about something, that that Mary treasures up all these things and can't get it out of her mind for the rest of her life. So Mary treasures up the, the truth of the gospel, of who Jesus is, and she continually, repeatedly thinks upon these things for a very long time, for the rest of her life even. 
So, do you treasure Christ today? Are you pondering the gospel truths, not just today, but but each day of your life? Are you imparting this faith then uh, to the people around you, especially, I think, of to our children at this time of year? This year, our our family uh, watched the Muppet Christmas Carol uh, a few weeks ago to get in the Christmas spirit. And it's, it's really one of my favorite Christmas movies, a, a wonderful movie, fun music, a lot of really good jokes, a lot of dad jokes in the Muppet Christmas Carol, things uh, dads can sort of uh, appreciate, I think, uh, silly puns and so forth. And, and so I appreciated the Muppet Christmas Carol so much that I actually watched two more versions of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, the George C. Scott version, which I think is from the 80s, and the Patrick Stewart version, which was made in 1999. And, um, and each, of course, follows the life of Ebenezer Scrooge and the transformation that happens. And I don't think I'm really giving too much away to say the, the transformation from a miserly, greedy man into a generous man at the end of the story. Now, how does the change happen, we should ask, in Scrooge's life? I think overall we can say that Scrooge was scared into making some changes into his life. He was scared at the judgment that was coming to him that he saw in his old partner, Jacob Marley, and that he saw you know, at the, the ghost of Christmas future by looking at his own grave, realizing he's going to die someday, and some people might even be happy that he dies is some, something that he also sees. And so in each case, we, we see that, that bad things are happening because of Scrooge's life and his, his greed, And so he's guilted into a kind of life change as a result of that. While it's good to love our neighbors, the Christian message is not that we guilt people into a life change at Christmas time. That you're sort of just warned about some judgments that might happen to you and you better get some spiritual life insurance by, you know, doing certain things that the church tells you to do or caring for people, or giving more money to charities. The Christian message is a positive message. It's a message about treasuring something, treasuring Christ. We have good news of great joy that any person who is full of the Spirit of God will love to hear. We love because God first loved us. And so, while... A Christmas carol is, is a helpful story reminding us to care for the poor and so forth. I think that ultimately it's not really the Christian message of a positive message hearing the good news of the gospel, receiving him like the, the women in our church saying a little while, preparing room in our hearts for him that he might come and fill our hearts with his love and the love that he gives us flows out from us. So it's not a motivation of guilt Just the opposite, we're motivated by love, by what we have been given in Christ. So all of this worship, all of this treasuring and marveling is preparation for us. It's preparation to receive Christ when he returns someday, to judge the living and the dead, to begin his new creation. Uh, At the end of Revelation it says, Jesus will return and make everything new. And so as we think about the first arrival of Christ today on Christmas Day, we should also think about how this impacts our preparation for Jesus' second coming, his second arrival 
or we might, we might say his second advent. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes the wonder and treasuring of Christ that will happen at the last day when Jesus returns. It's in very similar terms as the reaction of the shepherds and the people of Bethlehem, referring to the second coming of Christ and the judgment day, Paul wrote, on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. And here's a sentence I hope describes you today. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. So it is a wonderful time of year. It is a time for treasuring what God has given us. And it is all in preparation of the wonder and the treasuring of Christ that we'll do when he returns again to make everything new. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.